Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. This is just your annoying podcast reminder that this is one episode of many that we have recorded with amazing comedians like Ramesh Ranganathan, Ed Gamble, Jade Adams, my mum, Rosie's mum, amazing people talking all about their childhoods and getting to know what made them them. And if you are listening to this for the first time, please do not forget to hit subscribe and give us a really nice rating and review. We read them all and it means so, so much to us, particularly at the moment with our whole industry falling into collapse and Rosie and I get a real kick from reading them and so do our producers so thank you so much and please remember to subscribe hit it now love you bye you have one new voice message new voice messages Rosie, look, it's the end of season four and we have argued our way through this season like no one's business. I thought we were going to go in strong with love and kindness this season and we didn't and I just want to say that I really only meant half the things I said and even then when I was saying them, I didn't really mean them. They were just sort of like desperately trying to get people to like me, I guess, by slamming you under a bus and I don't mean it because I think you're amazing but just want the guests to like me more it's, it's a problem and i'm going to work on it before we hit season five and i love you so much okay deleted hello and welcome to daddy look at me a podcast where myself helen bauer and rosie jones sit down and talk to our favorite people from the world of showbiz about attention childhood and of course Daddy. Great to have you here. Now let's crack on with the show. I'm really annoyed right now. Why? Because we're late for the podcast. 15 minutes. Because you and Jack have been playing Pokemon. That's not the reason we were yeah, late. Yeah, it was. Hmm. Are you freaking kidding me? It was because you and Phil wanted to go for the longest pisses ever. I got a boiler suit on. Have ever seen a girl with terrible boulder try to do what like? I have. I've, I've dressed you in that several times. <laughs> Basically, I'm in a boiler suit. I look very sexy. But it means that when I go for a week, it will take 40 minutes. Is there anything you can put into the boiler suit? Like, get, 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 take it to a seamstress and get something put in that will make it quicker? Like what? a flap? Like a flap or a zip? Oh. or like a, 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 like a sandwich bag. What? Okay, so, yeah. So a sandwich bag in the boiler suit. So I just wait into the bag. That's your solution? Yeah. Yeah, fine. 
Seems all right. I mean, so far, I, I've not had any suggestions from you, Helen. So Yeah. Well, I, I literally think just if you've got cerebral palsy, don't wear a boiler suit. But I'm fully aware if oh. I say that, I'm probably being ableist. Yeah, there we go. There we but go. But that would be, like, I just go. think go for a classic, like, nice big skirt. Just open your legs and just let the piss flow out. Like so should be cold on the table that shouldn't be allowed to look very sexy. Well, no one's saying a nice long skirt isn't sexy. But I just think in a boiler so my bum and my tits look up the chain and I don't think a big skirt would But do I think that. to sexually entice someone, if you looked great in the boiler suit, but then the person started undoing the boiler seat and found a sandwich bag full of your own piss, <laughs> they'd be mm. like, just wear a... I, I think the skirt then would win. <gasps> but then hopefully before we start undressing, I'll have time to whip that sandwich bag I once did that I pulled out a sanitary towel just as a guy got down there and like managed to just put it behind me on the floor and it was fucking epic and like and no idea no Hi. he probably he did actually idea. I didn't speak to him again so he probably thought oh this fucking girl honestly disgusting mm, I'm pretty sure he figured it out <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that Probably the Velcro sign of it ripping off my knickers probably gave it away. <laughs> but, but in my then, head, I was like, you have never been more sexually attractive. What, what <laughs> day? What day, It was a safety towel, James, oh, at the end of the day. Oh, it was for the last dregs oh, of it when you think it's done and that little right. bit comes out. Leave it be. Hello! I woke him to, to Daddy, Daddy Look at me. me, the best podcast ever made. I you will stop playing it. No, I'm yeah, but there's now. right. I don't know if everyone's aware of this. Anyone listening to the podcast knows that I'm a Pokemon Go player. Our guest today is also a Pokemon Go player. I don't know how aware that you are of this, James. This episode has come out in 2021, but currently. End of November 2020, we have now had a shockwave sent through the Goa community. I call it the Goa community. No the Goa community, cares. I care, which is that if we don't reach level 40 by midnight on the 31st of December, we will not get a legacy badge. This is the one mm. chance to get it. And James, yes. <laughs> I want the that? badge. I want it. I want it more than anyone can say. I don't have time to not play it because I need to get... Over right. a million XP a day. <laughs> what level are you on right now? I'm in the late 39s. Okay, so yeah, I can understand what you're doing. I'm 35 and I'm not a badge-driven player. I'm not a medal-driven player. I'm a dex-driven player and a POC-driven player. I want, I, want, I want every single Pokemon that's in the Pokedex and then I want my pocket... My POC to match my decks. And I want everything that's in my pocket. I want all the Pokemon that I have in the decks also in my pocket. That's so, what I want. That's what I'm driven by. Okay. You are both full adults. Well, I'll tell you what's bullshit. Can you direct, um, a, like, address directly even our producer, Jack? Because he started playing Pokemon Go and he doesn't want to raid. He doesn't see the point in it. He thinks it's a waste yeah, of his time. Look, and it's the best. I was the same as you, Jack. I was very scared of raiding for a while. Just admit that you're scared, first of all. It, it does, does good to just admit that you're scared of doing the raid because it sounds really full on. 
but actually it's nothing. You, you don't lose any Pokemon. They might faint, but you can revive them. You're not going to lose them. So just get in there, get your hands dirty, have a little bit of a raid, and then at one point you can put the Pokemon in the gyms, you start making the Poker coins, and then the world's your oyster. The Poker world's your oyster. Okay, that was put a lot better than I put it because I was just sort of like, fucking do it, you loser. So, oh, yeah. yeah, well done, James. I, I wasn't there for it, but I could already pretty much predict exactly what you said to him and how you said it. I just feel um, like you have the wrong impression of me. Nope. I uh, Every single time I've ever spoke to you, it's the same impression. You've only got one gear. I like it, but it's absolutely it's absolutely terrifying. Well, it's fucking nice to see you. Rosie, take the lead. I'm, I'm, I'm backing out of this conversation. That's uh, exact tone we're talking about what the focus driven ambitious woman yes <laughs> and look i'm all for that but i spent my i spent my lifetime avoiding blokes with the same personality and i'm making a i'm, I'm making an exception for you and it is only because you're a woman Thank otherwise you. oh my god i'd cross a room every time you walked into it i'd fucking follow why What's your problem with us? I already feel like there's a problem here. You know what my problem with you is. What? Last time I saw you, you left me in a cave. You did as well. So why am I going to act like we're buds? To be fair, James, Jim Bob, you did deserve it. Well, this is the this is the problem. I I, I deserve it apparently for for being born a man. Yeah, nobody likes you because you're a man. Whoa, 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 whoa! This is our season finale, and I feel like we've started really badly here. I so I'm going to ask us all finale. to take it to season finale. It's actually quite a big deal. I one of our best. I want us all to take a deep breath all together and then we're going to do a compliment circle. Okay? Uh, So I'm going to give a compliment Uh, to Rosie. Rosie's going to give one to you. You're going to give one to me. And we're just going to go from there and we'll just start calmly, nicely, and as friends in spirit of a season finale. So let's all breathe together. (sighs) Rosie, you light up my life like nobody else. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. Also a One Direction lyric. Um, I love kay. you. I love... Well, I feel like I can compliment you easily. We're going to have to ask you to compliment James. How long do I have? A minute. Wow. Maybe when you are. <laughs> James! I think you are a good, a great decision maker. Lovely. Two of which deciding to come on my show. Lovely. And deciding to come on our podcast. Mm, mm, So those two choices that you have made in mm. your life, only those two choices were mm. great. Uh, thank you from James to Rosie, please. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That makes me feel very good. Um, I'm glad that you complimented me and made it in no way about yourself. 
Um, She's a generous soul. it was a good decision. The reason why I've come on this show, actually, it was a good decision to come on this show, because uh, as you know, Rosie, uh, and I know I'm not, I will pay you a compliment in a minute, minute, Helen, but my my parents are massive fans of Rosie Jones. They love her comedy. uh, My my mum's obsessed with Rosie's comedy, thinks it's so good. And the reason why I've come on this podcast is because I know my mum listens to all the podcasts I go on, and hopefully (laughs) this will put an end to her thinking Rosie's so bloody great. And she'll listen to this and go, oh, she's bullied my son for the whole thing. No. What, a, what a meanie. No. My mum thinks the same thing. She loves oh, Rosie. Rosie. Like, uh, she's flawless yeah. in her mind. I'm not a bully. I'm not a bully. I'm a lovely little lady. And I don't know where you got that. I'm still waiting for my fucking compliment, to be honest with you. Helen? Yes. Uh, uh... I have only met you on a few occasions, and but I can honestly say I've never met anyone who has made such an impression so quickly and whose who's, who's personality will stay with me forever, <laughs> forever, for the rest of my life. I like to leave mental scars. You've Welcome touched my life forever. James A. Gaster to the last episode of Daddy Look At Me Season 4! Yes. Let's fucking do this james tell us about you as a child were you an Um, attention seeker were you wanting to get everyone to look at you and laugh at you or were you a shy little angel i was an attention seeker i was putting on plays constantly in the living room uh and getting uh, my brothers and sisters and friends and whoever else uh, to be in the plays and kept on trying various different plays all the time, but different tones, different genres, because I couldn't really find my feet and what it was that I was good at. So uh, I was trying a lot of different things constantly. Um, yeah. Wait, you're going to have to talk us it. through these yeah. genres here. So we like, need for us, examples. we always assume, like you put on a play for your parents. I used to do lip syncing to ABBA for my family mm. and their family friends. Like what was your gateway? Uh, I can't remember what the debut play was. Uh, the ones that stand out in my mind were um, a little genre known as Cotton Eye Joe. So I remember doing, uh, I remember getting um, my friend Stephen Nichols and uh, probably my brother and sister uh, to all, we were dressed up as the uh, members of Rednecks and we mined along to Cotton Eye Joe. Um, actually, it might have even been Poppin' an Oak, the second single, because I, I don't know if I, no, I did have the first single. I got given they it They did birthday. two singles? They did two singles, oh, and my dad, my dad told me that Poppin' and Oak just sounded like Cotton Eye Joe, and I genuinely <laughs> fell out with him as a kid because he told me it just sounded the same. But it did sound the same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I remember performing that, and like we had a <laughs> one of us having a drum because there was a Cotton Eye Joe member, a Rednecks member who had a drum and just sit on the floor playing the drum. And, and I'm going to assume you bat. didn't take the role of the drum player and you took a lead. Well, I think I might have been the drummer because like I was into the, I played the drums, so like yeah, yeah. Um, I had a drum kit. And like, um, I only just gave my drum kit away uh, a couple of days ago uh, to the school I used to work at because um, I'm actually a good guy. So uh, I, yeah. I, I, I only just got, got rid of my drum kit. <laughs> no, Rosie hates no. it. You're not a good guy. You <laughs> did it. So people think you're a good guy, but really, you yeah. just... Did it to have that story? Like Jimmy Savile? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were modern day 
Jimmy Savile. Jack gets a soundbite of that and said it to Steve Bennett at Chortle. Yeah. yeah. And modern day, Jimmy Savile, but weirder. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. So, uh, Sorry, yeah, Cotton Eye Joe. Good. There we go. Cotton Eye Joe, you're playing the drums, you're going through some more genres. What comes next after Cotton Eye Joe? Because that's quite a big opening number mm. for yeah, a child. Yeah, you can do Pete. Yes. Then I remember doing an uh, environmental uh, piece uh, focused on deforestation. And um, I got someone to... I can't remember what my role was. I think, actually, I might have even just been directing this. Uh, the writer-director and not even in it. But I remember our friend Debbie, um, she got given the final line which uh, I'll tell you what the final line of the play is before I tell you the whole play. But the final line was her walking on going, I just wish there was another way. <laughs> and that was, the, uh, that was the final line of the play. And Wait. really, what year is this? Well, we were still living uh, on Buclew Street. So it would have been, <laughs> I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't 11 yet. So primary school. So you were ahead of your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like, yeah. But this is a school play, right? 90s. You're not just doing this for fun in your free time. I am doing this for fun in my free time in my living room. Um, I think because the comedies I've been trying and the musicals hadn't been going very well. And so I thought maybe the way to win my parents' approval is to do a bit more of a hard-hitting, uh, you know, emotional... And... Wait, no, no, no. Talk us through this play. We've got the final line. You're, right, little James A. Caster's like, I'm going to take on yes. deforestation through the medium of the arts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, to, I want to ask it seriously. Are you, are you writing a script? <laughs> I think uh, I'm just directing it. I'm telling uh, everyone else what to do. Um, I think my brother played the tree, but I can't remember. Right. And uh, there was a woodcutter. So when someone played a woodcutter and they cut the tree down and the tree is like screaming in agony. <laughs> As it gets cut down, like blood curdling, disturbing screams, which probably isn't very nice for my parents to watch, you know, one of their children uh, do a scream that does sound like they're genuinely being killed and murdered. <laughs> but deforestation is serious. So yeah, I wasn't there to make them feel good. Yeah, that scream was warranted. Yes, and to be fair, that scream was nothing compared to the scream that he did when he got thrown on the fire at the woodcutter's house. Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> that was really, that was really full on. Oh yeah, that was like a really high pitched, high pitched scream, ear piercing. You know. Please tell me dead someone else now. played the fire as well. Like they just didn't. Oh, that him. would have been good actually. Oh, <laughs> I just wrapped him up. Yeah. No, well, yeah. If, if I was to go back and do it again, I think I'd have I'd cast someone as the fire. So in your role as writer-director, will yeah. you, like, scream more? Yeah. <laughs> louder? I just yeah, love this. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just yeah. so great to put on, like, plays at home, but to actually, like, do a theme, because, yeah. like, you do themes of GCSE drama, you know, you take a stimulus. But the fact that yeah. at home you were like, I am into this, like, were you a drama boy then? Yeah, I wanted to do... I actually got talked out of doing drama at GCSE by the deputy head. He didn't let me... Because I, I'd chosen as my options for GCSE when you got to choose yeah. three subjects. I chose art, music and drama. Right. Yeah. And right. my deputy head pulled me out of a lesson uh, in year nine and said, you got, 
you got to do double science and, and drop one of these. And I dropped drama. And then um, my teacher, my drama teacher was quite gutted about it because I was like one of the more enthusiastic mm. drama students. Although by that point, um, I turned everything into comedy. I wasn't doing like whatever we did. I was just turning it into a comedy play. And I, I couldn't do anything serious. Like I felt stupid doing serious stuff. Yeah. Couldn't do it. I just don't get this. We've just had another guest as well. So Phil Wang talking about like how he always went for the comedy and for the clowning role. But yeah. me and Rosie both always went for the drama. So in year nine, I did a, a raped girl and then did a death as my stimulus. And Rosie did a full play about bulimia for fun. Like yeah. we both wow. went. <laughs> yeah, powerful, powerful stuff. Uh, yeah. like, I mean, I like to think about a bit of comedy into... <laughs> The funny side of puking. So, yes. At school, then, if you're into comedy and you want to get the laughs, are you seeking that out? Like, are you a bit of a class clown character? Not in. Well, maybe a little bit in class, but but not not to the whole class. Mm -hmm. Just to my immediate mates who are sitting around me. That's fun. Have the jokes at the back of the room and do all that. I wasn't one of the kids who was like, I'm going to get everyone in the whole class to laugh at me or like, I'm going to like troll the teacher. My, you know, my parents, both teachers. So I wasn't like, oh, let's make the teacher's life a living hell. That'd be funny. Because like, I was like, they're, they're human beings. Yeah. Even at that age, I understood. So like, but I really loved like, you know, if I sat next to Tristan Law, shout out if he's listening, or Richard Bache, kids like that, oh. they were funny. And yeah. uh, it would be fun to sit in the class and like have a laugh and uh, have some running jokes going. We, I, I loved a running joke. Wait, what sort of running jokes do you have at that age, though? Cut, well, just a lot of impressions, and I also like a lot of like um, uh, if someone if if something funny had happened once, like someone had said something, you just never let it go, and yeah. you'd always remember it. And I wish I could remember some specific examples. Oh, that was it. Me and Tristan Law. Um, I remember someone once said. Uh, they felt lousy and we just hadn't heard the word lousy you know, and just thought it was the funniest thing that they'd said they felt lousy and then we all just to say lousy but in this American voice and be like lousy and, and, uh, and go lousy I just kept on saying it all the time I thought it was the funniest thing in the world just calling things lousy we thought it was so funny but those things do just take over a whole year group like just one yeah. person saying one thing I was just watching I'm watching Malcolm in the Middle at the moment and it's all on Great. four and I'm like loving it and there's an episode where it's Malcolm's first day at high school and he's just got a little stain on his trousers and that's yeah. it for the whole yeah. series he's stained yes. but yeah. I remember at my school I was one of those kids who unfortunately and everyone did it called a teacher mum or dad right yes. but my calling a teacher dad happened in a silence when I was screaming. Mm. So everyone was trying to get his attention for something. It was like, we're like all like, Mr. Moore, Mr. Moore, sir, 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 sir. And I just went, dad, as the rest of the class <laughs> fell into silence. And that yeah. was a write-off as far as the yeah, yeah. was considered. No, no, I think I was so desperate for his attention, like I am for my own dad's, that I was like, this man's not giving me attention. And I felt the same need to get him to look at me the same way that I want Michael to look at me, that I was like, dad. And what's mad is I don't even call my dad dad because he doesn't respond to it. So I don't even know why I was fucking, I'll call him Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Good old Michael Bauer. I don't even know what I was trying to get. Like, it was just awful. 
school. But then that swept the school really, really quickly. Yeah. But then luckily the next week, Tori Ratcliffe was walking up a staircase and um, someone pulled her trousers down and her knickers came down at the same time. Right. <laughs> you know what? That I let her take God. the fall. <laughs> yeah, absolutely delighted, I bet. Well, you are, Thank aren't God. you? It's that moment yeah, of being sure. like, oh, did you see what happened to Tori, though? That's fucking embarrassing. I just called him dad. I saw her vagina. <laughs> yeah, this is just, just, just all of life now. Uh, you know, social media, everything. It's just everyone going, if someone else can be the pariah, then yeah. I would really appreciate yeah. it. If it and then it's, it's like how me. Rosie started the Australian bushfires because of the Greta Thunberg cancellation. And then the next week there was Australian bushfires and it was like, well, time, bitch. And as soon as oh. they went out, coronavirus. Did you get cancelled for that Greta Thunberg yeah. thing? Oh, yeah. for like three days and then the fire started. It wasn't enough. Basically, <laughs> 2020, having that global pandemic could not have worked out more perfectly for me. Because mm-hmm. New Year's Day, I got cancelled. People hated me. But yeah. then Corona popped her head up and I was like, thank I'll God. I'll do news night. <laughs> Everyone forgot about me fingering Greta Thunberg. Not now, though. She's just said it again. Oh, oh hi. Sorry to interrupt Rosie and I with more meat. Catherine, shut the Fuck up, shut up. But I am here with previous guest, Catherine Bohart, to talk about an amazing online festival that is coming your way. I am not being sarcastic. Catherine, take it away. Oh, look, I co-host this show every week with Helen and we're doing a weekend festival. I asked her when I was feeling blue and we're stuck with it. But look, the point is, the people (laughs) doing work in progress on this weekend called Gig Fest are unbelievable. We have Stuart Goldsmith. Olga Cock. Yes. I'm doing one. You're doing yes. one. Chloe Petz, Nabil Abdul Rashid, Maisie Adam, Rosie, Rosie Jones. Rosie Jones from I Daddy. Daddy. It's Daddy. Crazy. Sindhu V and Charlie George and Andrew White. So it is a really good lineup. And yes, Helen will be there, which I know will make it uns- insufferable. But oh, I almost said unsufferable, but that's because we are drunk as we record this. The Preach. point is. Um, if you like Daddy, what's your podcast called? Oh my God, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Guys, go on my website. It's helenbauer.co.uk or .com. I'll figure it out later. It's in my... Shut your mouth. And on Rosie's website as well. And there's tickets to GigFest. Please come and watch us do an hour online. As I've mentioned before, there will be a special prize for anyone who watches an hour of Rosie and then an hour of me on the Sunday of March. Shut up! Of March 21st? So we have five hours of comedy both days. So it fills the time better than Netflix and Helen won't be there the whole time. God bless you and enjoy the rest of the episode. <laughs> Amen. When does God bless you your thing? Fuck you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Did you ever use attention or humor to get with ladies? That's a great question. Good question. Thank you. Um, well, I mean, I don't. I mean, I didn't have a proper girlfriend until I was late teens. Mm. That does not I left school. surprise me. It's the theme of the podcast, if anything. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so, like, I probably tried in secondary school to like impress girls that I liked by being funny. Because I, I definitely don't think that I would have had the confidence to think that anything else would have worked. Like, you know, I was, it was made very clear to me by the cool girls in my year uh, before I even tried anything that I was not one of the cool hunky boys who they actually liked. So it's very... I remember once talking to a kid called Liam who was one of the uh, boys who everyone fancied. Yeah. And I was chatting to him in the playground and then a girl came over and told Liam that one of the really popular girls fancied him. <gasps> oh. And then and then she looked at both of us and went, you guys kind of look similar, actually. And then she shouted back, oh, man, the guy you fancy looks like James Acaster. Yeah. And I was like, oh. I was like, okay, message received. Message received. And I mean, Liam was such a cool guy. He didn't even, didn't even dent his confidence. He was stood there going, I'm pretty sure I can still pull. I'll be all right. But like, I was there thinking, I don't know how this has been turned into a negative on him and not a positive on me. What's going on here? That's awful. That is such an awful moment. It's pretty bad. Holy, but I mean, pretty in all bad. fairness, were you going up to random girls being like, lousy? <laughs> like, trying to get them <laughs> to I probably laugh. was trying to get, trying to get them on the, on the lousy bandwagon, actually. I was probably being like, come on. Jump on this and let's all say lousy together. It's pretty funny. Um, I think I was like, I mean, I know that like early on um, I did some like, because like, school assemblies in year seven and eight were like opportunities for kids to be funny. And um, I really tried too hard and failed to be funny in those assemblies. Do you mean and, funny is um, like playing that... bogeys and yelling out or like performing? No, like being in. So actually, so, so sorry. Yeah. In the assemblies, we would it, we'd take it in turns, each form group to like do the assembly. Oh, right. Great. And put something on. And one week, and it was the week before my form group did it, Mr. Martin's form group did their version of shooting stars <gasps> and it was oh, the funniest thing it was so funny and they were all funny as well and like they properly like it brought the house down they even made a joke about mr martin's pubes at one point <laughs> oh my god risky but worth it when it pays off funny funny he was he, he was bold he was a bold guy bold gentleman and they made the joke they said uh, one of the questions in shooting stars was which teacher in the school has the most hair and the answer was mr martin uh, <gasps> including the ones that extend from his zip uh-huh. fucking great yeah. oh my god uh, amazing joke um and then our class was like the, the following week and obviously oh, we had all seen shooting stars mm. and we're like we want to do that mm. so we like we want to do a tv thing but the class couldn't agree on a TV show to send uh. up. So the teacher said, well, why don't you just do it that you're, that you're like channel flicking 
So we'll divide you oh, into groups. Oh, come on. That's a classic improv drama club format. <laughs> but don't make out the old teacher was, like, really clever. The amount of fucking, <laughs> let's do it. Even SNL still do it. Let's do a parody of yeah. an advert. <laughs> okay, but sorry, yeah. no offence. Carry on. It was that. But, like, yeah, so, so, it was just to appease everyone, really. Yeah. It's like, we'll divide you into groups. Yeah. Everybody wants to do that, show that, and that. And my friends, so I was just only did this show because it was like my friends went to do EastEnders and I'd never seen EastEnders before. <laughs> and as we've established, I'm the writer-director a lot of the yeah. time. Yeah. And so no, my friends weren't going to bother writing this <laughs> and doing so. So like I was the only one who had to do it. And I was like, well, I want it to be funny. It's got to be funny, but I've never seen EastEnders and I don't know what goes on in it. So I asked them, I said, like, you know, uh, what's going on in EastEnders at the minute? And they said, oh, uh, Ian Beale's kind of being an eco-warrior at the moment and uh, the Mitchells are causing trouble. So I wrote a sketch where I played Ian Beale. <laughs> Two of my friends played the Mitchell brothers. and Age, so, age 12, right? Oh, Max, age 12. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, 11, 12. I think I was 11 because it was first year. And it was, and I, also, it's like I haven't yet made... You know, I've, haven't really um, made an impression on any kids outside of my year group yet. So this yeah. is my introduction to my entire <laughs> school year, pretty much. And uh, and there's been a few sketches before us of different TV shows, and they've gone pretty well. And then our one starts, and it starts... I, I'm wearing this massive coat, this huge, humongous coat, and I'm like acting like I'm walking down the street, and then the Mitchells are walking past me, and one of them drops a Mars bar wrapper on the floor. And I go, Hey! <laughs> Hey, pick pick that up. And they're like, no. Now, upon reflection, now I would really write, I'd pare this dialogue down, but I'm just going to tell you this scene as yeah. <laughs> verbatim. Because yeah. this went on for ages. So I picked that up. They went, no. I went, you should pick it up. They went, we're not going to pick it up. <laughs> I went, pick up that Mars bar wrapper. No, we don't want to pick it up. We're not going to pick it up. Uh, you should do it. Why? Because I said so. And it went on for so long. <laughs> and then... Eventually they went, well, what? And that was it. It went on for so long because I told them they have to say to me, what are you going to do about it? And I was waiting for the cue line, yeah. what are you going to do about it? But they just didn't get round to it for ages. And eventually they said, well, what are you going to do about it? And I said, nothing, but... And then I ran out of the... I ran to the side so people couldn't see me. And then I ran back on stage and I had taken my coat off and tied it round my neck like a cape. And I said, nothing but... <laughs> Eco man will. So now I'm a... <laughs> Ian Beale is a superhero for no reason. And uh, and then I said, and his trusty sidekick, the bin bag. And then my friend Joe Devlin ran in dressed in a bin bag like a poncho. <laughs> oh and then we just did a, like a really long scene where we beat them up for ages. We beat up the Mitchell brothers for ages. Right. And and Joe Devlin was running around doing a noise like, um, like Pingu. He was making like Pingu type noises as the bin bag. That was as far as we got with the bin bag's character is that he was doing those <laughs> noises. And it just went on and it was to absolute silence. Oh and God! All, and it was That's all the what kids I was afraid of. I thought yeah. maybe they'd be laughing no. at you at least, but silence. nothing. Absolute oh. silence for the whole thing. And then at the end, we beat them up and that was it. And then it's the, the channel flickered, presses the remote control and the next one started. And then for ages, kids were calling me Ian Beale in the, in the, in the corridor oh, and stuff like you that. You set yourself while. up for that one, my prince. I'm sorry yeah. to say it, but... Yeah, yeah. It, well, I didn't do myself any favours. Fuck. Actually, in your defence, I think you've improved standards. 
Yeah. I will watch. I that. love that you were so comedy focused, but you clearly always wanted a message. It's yeah, like you invented sure. Edinburgh Fringe Festival with having a theme, like make it funny, but make sure it has an environmental impact. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was everything. I mean, people were going, I mean, the teachers were going, that kid needs to drink Lambrini and get fingered. What the hell is the matter with <laughs> Thank you. You really Thank were the Grattenberg of yeah, catering with your environmental message. It's insane. <laughs> So for me, that is quite a tricky first experience of the stage. Like yes. getting no last something that you have written yourself. You can't even be one of those like year eights who's like, yeah, but the material was shit. He couldn't even write Shakespeare. Like you gave it everything. Mm. It didn't work. Did you then have the confidence to audition for school plays or was it just gone for a while? I didn't. I was in the school band. So I was playing the drums in the school band and I just did that. Because, like, uh, I was, I mean, I, to be fair, I'd already had a little, like, I'd been performing. I was in the Scouts. That's not so going to surprise either one of you for a second. But, like. Oh, um, do you have any stories about <laughs> the Scouts? Oh, I see. Yeah, I, I see what you're tearing up. Oh, I think. Did you, did you ever get any unwarranted attention in the cigar? Oh my fucking God, what did you do, James? He did. What did you like? I pissed myself in the cups. Yes! No! To be fair, I was wearing a jumpsuit with my sandwich bag burst, I couldn't help it. (laughs) It wasn't, you know. But oh no, what happened? Wait, how old is Cubs? Like seven? Cubs is yeah, like primary school. Yeah, like I. It was, and it was. Do you know what? I think it's absolutely staggering that I went back at all because it was like second or third week of me being in the Cubs. Like oh, I hadn't been in there very long. Like it wasn't like a, uh, and uh, it was. The Cubs was in like this, these church halls, St. Andrew's Church Halls, which is now kind of like an art centre, which is how Rosie knows about it, because she's yeah. performed there. Uh, my parents were in the audience. and um, Oh, and they and have a plaque up or something, do they? People, they people know. that. People know. I mean, people know, thanks to me, what, what, yeah. that there's a certain room in there that when I was a kid, I pissed myself in. So, so it's like... When I won, I was supporting Nitch, and we got that, and Nitch... Sad Rosie, do you want to come and see the room where James A. Cats pissed Oh my god! And then say absolutely. Yeah. And is that where you met his parents? They were just there lighting a yeah. candle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> they were glad. Now. Oh um, my god! That's when our boy became a man. Yeah. Well, he became even more of a boy, and uh, uh, but like I, it, basically there was a corridor, and it's still it's still the same corridor that the toilets are on now. But like I remember asking no, to go to the toilet next to the toilet. So you oh, no, no, that's not where I, no, that's not where I pissed myself. But basically, okay, I, I asked I asked to go to the toilet because I needed the toilet. They said yes. I went to the end of the corridor, and genuinely, I think the lights weren't working. So it was a dark corridor, and I genuinely was too scared to go down there, and so yeah. f- convinced myself. It's nearly the end of Cubs. I'll be able to hold it till I get home. I'm okay. And all all we had to do was the end of C- Cubs, which is like you stand in like a, a horseshoe formation and uh, you have prayers and then uh, everyone goes. And during prayers, everyone's got their eyes closed. And I'm like, 
I can't, I'm not going to be able to hold this. And I thought, maybe I'll just run out the room now during prayers. You know, no one can see me. They've all got eyes closed. But then before I could do anything, I, I remember just cascading. Also, you're wearing shorts in the Cubs. So it's just it's just a waterfall down my bare legs. But all the kids got their eyes closed and, and R. Kayla is saying prayers out loud. And I'm just standing there, just every, a full piss, just everything. And um, by the time they'd all opened their eyes, I was just standing as still as I could. I'd, I'd done the piss at that point. And obviously my shorts were dripping and I was in a, I stood, stood in, a, in a complete, a big puddle. But I was like, maybe none of them will see and they'll just all leave and then I can sort this out, me and the grown-ups. But then one of the kids oh, just, one of the kids looked over and just shouted out, He's, he's pissed himself and I just started crying obviously yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm crying then so now like my whole body's you know the bits that weren't wet before are wet now so the tears are uh, coating my, oh my, my little God. my little cub jumper oh pop it I can't uh, handle it but I went back the following week what blows my mind is that I got home from it and I think there were like two or three kids in that cubs who also went to my school oh so they didn't, God. but they didn't know me that well yeah, you know, it was like a thing of like they weren't in my school year, so like I wasn't really going to see them. I think there's one kid who was in my school year, and he was my friend, so he wasn't going to like be mean to me or tell the other kids. Um, so I was kind of okay at school. There was one kid who was a dick about it, but that was it. But I, I do not know how when it was the following week. It's like, do you want to go to Cubs again? I was yeah. like, yeah. I don't know why I did. Like I just went, yeah. I'll, I'll walk in there again. And to be honest, it's probably quite important. And I don't know if my parents said to me, "Listen, yeah. if you don't go back this yeah. week, this will affect your whole life." So let's just go in and do it. Some kids are going to be mean. The grown-ups will protect you. <laughs> let's just go in again. Um, but yeah, I just but went that back. That is important. I'm totally with you. I wonder if there is like a correlation. We should have asked all our guests mm. this between like going through something like that as a child and going back the next week. Because I. Yeah pissed myself in year three mm. which is like you're not in infants anymore you're in juniors granted you're yeah. bottom of juniors but it shouldn't be happening anymore and mm -hmm. it was because it was a red nose day so we all got to wear red trousers to school <laughs> yeah but i didn't have any red trousers so we had to go to a shop and get red trousers oh. so they were new so they were stiff there were cords so oh. i couldn't do the button and the zip on it and it's that thing of being like, I know I just need to go into the classroom and ask a teacher to yeah. help me, but I just couldn't do it. So I was in the toilet stall and I just couldn't get them down. Oh, no. And I just pissed myself. Yeah. But it's school. I have to go back the next day. And luckily the classroom, Mr. Fair's classroom, was close enough to the reception, to the nurse's office. Uh -huh. But I remember her being like, okay, well, here's a skirt. You can wear this skirt instead. But I was like, I can't be the kid that goes back in the classroom <laughs> after 30 minutes with red eyes and no red trousers. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just not going to happen. So I did this whole, like, like, like a fucking psychopath of a kid. Yeah. I was like, no, I've got a headache. I'll be sick. I got to go home. So I yeah. made out the next day that I got sent home because I was ill oh. and not because I pissed myself. That's not psycho yeah, stuff. That's yeah. genius. No, That's it's great. organized. I was an organized psychopath. Like no, I, you have to. I remember a lot of pressure there. looking at myself in the mirror in the toilets, like yeah. very short, holding onto the sink, eye contact with myself, big stain on my red cords, going. You can get away with this. Yes. If you go into the nurse's office now and you play this right, you can crush this and no one will ever know. Yeah. That's great. And I did it. 
And oh. I still went to school the next day and prolonged the lie. See, what I do is I always make sure I have a lot of wee in my bladder so that if I do wet myself, I change the colour of my whole trousers. <laughs> oh my God, that's so thorough. <laughs> you must have pissed yourself at least once at school. Like, everyone's Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I can't. But did you just walk back in the classroom being my, like, they're black now? <laughs> actually, my one was a sad story. Oh, no. I don't think I told it before. I went for a wee in a portal, and there were three older girls who bullied me a bit. <gasps> And they were in the cubicle, and I was like, oh, I need a week, can I go? And they put their hand on it and went, no, you're not allowed. So I wet myself. Yeah, I, I I I think if I kind of like end up in a situation where someone says to me, Hey, do you want to go and see where Rosie Jones pissed herself? Yeah. I probably won't be no. as delighted as you no, were, Rosie. No. <laughs> I am fascinated about the fact that you were a drummer because in a band, the drummer is famously the shit. Like, no one's looking at the drummer. Mm-hmm. They sat down, they're at the back. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy that or did you want a limelight? I think a part of me wanted the limelight, definitely. But then, like, once I got it, with stand-up, I was like, actually, maybe I preferred being at the back and, and other people, you know, getting the attention. But, like, yeah, yeah, like, I, I, I definitely... Eventually, I was just in a two-piece band and we were both singing as well as playing the drums and I, I was just as much a part of it as he was and we were, we were kind of, like, you know, yeah, both like sharing the limelight. But, um, but then our gigs didn't go well. It was mainly us arguing between songs and telling the crowd that they were, they were thick. Wait, you were in a teenage band? Um, well, at, that, at that point, we were, oh, I was in teenage bands, definitely, yes. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I stopped being in bands when I was 22 and probably started when I was 15. Fucking so, amazing. What was your first band called? Do you remember? Yeah, my first band was called Pin Drop and it was a new metal band. <laughs> Fucking great. So this is the moment when your teacher's gone like, you're not doing drama and you're like, I'm done with the environmental message and writing yeah. my own plays. It's not going well. I'm not crushing assembly like Mr. Martin's class. Yes. I'm, I'm transitioning into music. Yeah. You form the Pin Drop, you're performing and you're telling the audience to fuck off and that fulfills that need for attention, does it? Yeah. Well, at that point, we weren't telling the audience to fuck off in that band. Uh, We we, we were, yeah, it was our first time performing music on stage. Uh, I've been playing drums since I was seven and uh, really wanted to form bands all the the time since then. So, like, 
I've finally got to, you know, have those kids in my year who could play instruments. And so it's very exciting to get to form a proper band. Matthew Butler, um, child prodigy, amazing guitarist, still now one of the best guitarists I've ever met. And uh, I, 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 but we couldn't ever pin down a singer. I've told a story a a lot. I feel like I told it on a couple of things before about a singer that we tried to, tried to have where he, he, um, he, he would always sing really nicely in band practice. And then on stage, he would just scream and do awful stuff. And then we kept on telling him not to. And he he, uh, he really misbehaved himself. So that band was plagued with problems, mainly trying to pin a singer down. And we couldn't. Also, like, I'm assuming that, like, the option for stage time in Kettering for a new up and coming band, like how, like, we had one place where there was Battle of the Bands in my hometown. Mm. But like. Mm. Well, now was- it's not that great. Then there was a quite a like a, a lively and encouraging music scene in uh, Northamptonshire in general, but and in what? Kettering, and there was a lot of places in Kettering. That you, you could put on your own gigs. There was like youth clubs who put on gigs. Uh, the our first gig was at a youth club who. Uh, and this is me trying to make myself self sound like a good person again, but I still work with this youth club. But um, I we, we played yeah. in. there's a room at the back which was used for boxing which was not the so it was like a a different thing it wasn't it wasn't a part of the youth club it was a boxing club which is a separate thing but there's a boxing ring in there and so when the youth club wanted to put on a gig and have all the bands uh play at this gig we got to play in that room and just perform in the boxing ring with the crowd around the boxing ring. It was like the coolest first gig ever. That uh, is fucking awesome. Yeah. Really great. It only lasted two gigs and then uh, health and safety inspection shut it down because they described the room as a death trap. Um, so like uh, it, it would have been pretty bad if a fire had ever started in that room um, with all those young kids in there, myself but, included. But it's a good enough music. Mm. It's worth the risk. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Also, much like how you returned to Cubs after you pissed yourself, did you then return to school assemblies or like a school talent show to play in your band? Was it like a moment when you were like, I'm giving this another go? Ian Beale is back. (laughs) And this time he's got um... someone on the keys. (laughs) Well, there was a guy on the keys. Actually, talking about like, you know, not, not, you know, resenting not having the attention as the drummer. Like our first gig that we did with that band, my friend Jake played the keys, played keyboards. But so here's the thing, and I feel bad about this now. At the time, I kind of stand by my my actions, but and I, but basically, he was playing keyboards, but he couldn't really play the keyboards at the time, um, and he didn't turn up to band practices ever, <gasps> so he didn't turn up to any of them. Yeah. So we all knew the songs, he didn't know them. But then he turned up on the day of the gig still with his keyboard, and we were like, well, we don't want to just tell our mate that he can't play because that. Seems unfair. I'd tell him. Fuck yeah. it, you yeah. weren't at a rehearsal. I used to tell on people not coming to drama practice for like GCSE mm. drama thing to the teacher all the time. Yeah, I mean, Fuck him off. Maybe... he's not going to put the hours in. He's not part of the performance. Yeah, well, I, I agree. I agree. But we let him play the first gig and um, we basically d- didn't plug his keyboard in. So basically had it so that, you know, there wasn't anything with his keyboard and like they couldn't hear his keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that we're just going to be playing the music that we practiced, and he can be there, and he and maybe I don't even know if he was aware how low we'd turned his keyboard mm-hmm. down. But anyway, but here's the thing: he's bought a lot because he's thought about this gig a lot more than we have. We thought about it musically, but he's thought about it performance-wise. So the rest of us are very subdued performers, right? We're quite nervous teenagers. We're pretty much standing still, mm-hmm. looking down at our instruments, and that's it. Jake has brought along these massive 
yellow tinted sunglasses which cover the entire top half of his face and a huge afro wig as what well the that's fuck? like it's like humongous it's like and he's like <laughs> yeah. and he's like a really skinny boy yeah. it's this massive big curly wig. and he puts those on and then goes on stage and he's like miming on the kid but he's like jumping all over the boxing ring he's jumping into the audience he's like dancing around with them in the audience and doing all this stuff now upon reflection yeah He's a godsend because we're not performing them. We, we, we've got these songs, but he's making it feel like a party. Yeah. And we should have gone, oh, like, that's a good thing. But we didn't know who Bez was at that point. We didn't yeah. know that those kind of people are quite good. So when it came to the second gig that we were going to do, because actually, this is the thing. After the first gig, everyone for like ages was coming up, all the kids our age, coming up to Jake at youth club and in the street going, hey, you were you were in that band. You're that guy from that band. That was really cool. Oh. And and I'm standing there sometimes. I'm like, I was in that band, and I wrote the songs. Yeah. And like, you know, me and my, me and my brother wrote those songs, and none of you care. And it was like, <laughs> I, 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 I I was getting quite resentful. So then the second gig's coming up, uh, second boxing ring gig, and he turns up. Jake does the 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 practice just before that gig. Um, so he's not turned up to any of the other practices, and he turns up with his keyboard, and we and we kind of all say to him, look. You haven't been coming to practice, so you can't do the gig. Yeah. And he fell out with us, and it was a big deal, and we all, and, you know, I had to make a Benzema and all this. And while I stand by, everyone in the band should do practices, blah, 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 we did the gig, and then we're just kind of like standing there, really still playing the gig. No one remembered us afterwards, no one talked about the gig. If we'd had him there with his That's wig and his shades it. on, jumping in the audience, Maybe people would have remembered us, you no, know. Maybe I'm it would sorry, have picked James. Up some... no. I'm sorry, but he shouldn't be in the band. No. If he wasn't practicing, no. you don't need him. You can learn how to jump, but you can't learn to have a good work ethic. True. I'm on inside. Everyone remembers the best. I can't name anyone else from the Happy Mondays. Sean. Sean, Sean Ryder. But then Sean. Sean Ryder basically had to become more and more like Bez over the years so people yeah. remember him. Okay, I don't get the references we're making, but in my head sure. it feels very much like School of Rock. Like It's yes. like when Mr. Schneebly's like our Billy Guitar and it's like, but you're not in the band because you're not a kid. <laughs> Jake's not in the band because he's not at rehearsal, so he shouldn't be in it. He should not be lead guitarist. It should be Zach. But yes, yes. Zach <laughs> Attack. Man. Well, have high men off? He shouldn't. No, I'm sorry. I just, I think th that boy should be ashamed of himself because uh -huh. it is about practice. And also, if he was there, and I'm imagining half of your practice was all of you guys sitting around being like, well, where the fuck's our keyboardist? What's happening with uh -huh. this? You could have learned how to jump and do performance, but he actually held you back. You could be a fucking rock star by now, James, but instead, look at you. I yeah. mean, you're doing well, oh, but still. Gordon, still, it's pathetic. Say. No, what's pathetic? Don't don't victim yourself to make us look bad. You're fine. You're doing fine. It's just... He couldn't be a rock star if he looked at him. Alternative. I'm not saying mainstream no. rock. Yeah. So you're right. So, so you're in a band. It's going yeah. well. You're doing performances. You change your band a couple of times, and yeah. then at what point are you like, I am meant to be on the stage, or did that ever just not like? Did it not click for you? I think, see, here's the thing, though. I think I always thought, I didn't even think to myself I'm meant to be on the stage. I thought everybody wants to be on the stage. Yes, yeah, I, thought. Okay. I, thought, I, mean. I yeah. thought everybody wants to do it. So, like, I'm just doing the thing that everybody wants to do. Yeah. 
So I didn't, I didn't think it was like, you know, um, it's my calling and I'm special. I thought everybody wants to do this. And so obviously I'm trying to do what everyone <laughs> wishes they could do. I totally that know what was you it, mean. Really. I always, even now, every now and again, I catch myself being like, but you could do it. If you put, and people are like, I don't want to fucking do that. And it's like, obviously, yes. why would you want to do it? Yeah. But I think because it's so clear in our minds. I think it's interesting when you talk to non-performers about their childhood. And even the nativity, they're like, oh, yeah, I did it. I was a shepherd. I hated it. Or they don't even remember what role they played. I'm sorry, but I remember every nativity and every role I had because it was an important making of me. I mean, nativities, that's that's the first kind of... By the way, pretty much every single performance I did as a child went badly (laughs) and was quite embarrassing. Come on, the deforestation one at home sounded all right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, ripped that. That was great. But like, um, my yeah, the the public ones. Yeah, I got I got the lead in the in the. Well, it wasn't even. It was a school Christmas play in primary school, and it was a bit of a an orthodox one. The the, the year before, I remember I had a very small part. I had one line, and I can't remember what the actual play was, but we were in like the. Uh, the preamble, but the, the bit just before the play starts, where like there's a teacher who's saying to her students, "Oh, we're going to put on a nativity. Have we got any ideas for the nativity oh, kids?" And we're like on clever. stage, meta. Fuck me, your school was amazing. <laughs> and so great. I remember one of the the kid before me. Their line was about like um, the sheepdog could be called could be really clever. Something about dogs being really intelligent and that it could be called the professor. And my line was, he could even wear glasses. And I remember being so (laughs) annoyed with my line and being like, this is not a decent line. I'm really having to do the heavy lifting to make this line, to sell it Mm. at all. And I was a bit gutted that that was my only part in this play. But then the following year, I got the lead in The Woodcutter and The Christmas Dove. I want to say this. We have a lot of people who come on here and they discuss being the lead in their school play, and then we discover that they weren't the lead. I mean, I remember Ed mm. Gamble coming on and arguing that he was the lead in Alice in Wonderland, but he played the caterpillar, which he then went right, on to I mean, refer yeah. to as an impact role. But it's not. It's it's, sure, it's not, not one lead. of the main characters. Yeah, yeah. Were you a genuine lead, or did you self-appoint lead in your head? It was called The Woodcutter and the Christmas Dove, Were and you? I played the woodcutter. Oh, no, I'm, well, I, I want to hear more. I genu- I'm not sold yet. I think you'd be a better Christmas dub. No, <laughs> Je- Jenny Cottrell was the Christmas dove. Good for her. Good, Good for her. Old. Right, Still, Jenny. Still bump into her every now and again. She's doing well. Is she an actress? No. Oh, she's a, a shame. She's a ledge. She's just a ledge. <laughs> just a ledge. She's doing well. She, she, um, and maybe the Christmas Dove didn't have any lines. You see, the Christmas Dove was doing a lot. It's much more of a con- kind of contemporary dance role, and she'd oh. do a lot of dance. Whereas the the woodcutter was the one that the story was happening to. I found an injured dove on the floor, and the dove is on its way to Bethlehem to be at the birth of Jesus. It has a very <laughs> Im- Im- important right. message to right. deliver, and I find the dove and I nurse it back to health. Um, also, there's a bit of a like personal story in it with, with the woodcutter. In the the reason why I'm kind of nursing it back to help is because you're going um, through a divorce. You need something to love, or 
Basically, yes. <laughs> my wife and child. My wife has died, and, and 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 we were never able to have children together. And we always wanted children. And I'd I'd built a crib. <laughs> I'd built a crib, and we'd never used the crib. <laughs> I was joking. Are you fucking kidding? That was your primary school play. Yes, and my the song that I had to sing my solo. My solo was called A Woodcutter's Prayer. And uh, the only line I remember from the um, that song was a crib full of emptiness, a woodcutter's prayer. Oh my god, oh. that is heartbreaking. Yes, very sad. Um, to make matters worse, I was so nervous about. I got I got the role because we all had to like everyone who was in the school choir, which was pretty much everybody. Yeah. Um, all had to sing this song as an audition, but I think as a group we had to sing it. So we were singing it as a group, and then the teacher who was d- casting the play was just kind of walking along the rows and listening to us all as we were singing as part of the Holy group. Yes. So I got the role because of that, but I'd never sung solo before, and I discovered I couldn't make sound come out of my mouth when I was singing solo. No. I was so terrified no. that I couldn't. Yeah. I was literally, it was like I was gasping for air, and that yeah. was it. And then it had to become a piece that was an ensemble piece, but I mimed along oh. as everyone else sang it. But I was so close to the parents, they were right in front of me, that obviously they knew I was miming because yeah. I was right there. And I was cradling in one hand uh, a little toy dove while Jenny Cottrell did a dance behind me. And I had a toy dove and then in the other hand a little plastic axe and I had a waistcoat on and a white shirt and was singing A Crib Full of Emptiness of Woodcutter's Prayer, but miming along to the actual other kids in my class singing it. This is the best infant school play of all time. (laughs) It's haunting. Was there a ghost of the uh, the barren wife as a character? Probably. I mean, I can't remember. I remember there was three kings. I remember the three kings were in it because they stopped by my house for a drink on the way as well. Shut up! So I remember... I remember chatting to the three kings on their way to Bethlehem uh, and talking to them. Do you know how your wife died? I can't remember how she died. I really hope it wasn't like a childbirth thing because that would have been even more... Probably leprosy. They all had it then. Well, you think, like, you know, I I, I made the crib, so I must have made it for some reason. I'm not sure, you know, what was happening there. I can't remember what happened to my wife. Um, I remember the final scene where there was the nativity scene and then the woodcutter was like stood off to one side because I, I was able to go in the end, but not allowed, for some reason, not allowed in the in the manger. So I'm kind of looking in from the outside. Oh, my God. Oh, humble, a humble woodcutter just watching <laughs> as Jesus is in Mary's arms from outside. Did you give Jesus your crib? Oh, no, because he had a manger, oh, didn't he? He had a manger. I must have. Yeah. Surely I did. Surely I did. I mean, that would be mad if it, if yeah. I didn't do that. And as soon as you said it, it rung a bell and it feels like I did give Jesus the crib. But it I would then be mad to me that they wouldn't allow the person that gives this gift yeah. in. They let in the fucking shepherds yeah. who are bringing sheep. If someone brings you a practical yeah. bit of yeah. like something you're going to yeah. use for the baby, they wouldn't just... I don't think the Virgin Mary and Joseph yeah. would be like, thanks very much mm. for the gift. Out you pop. Yeah, but I... they want to bring some frankincense. What does a baby do with frankincense? Sell it on, I imagine. It's like an eBay thing probably, isn't it? Yeah, probably get a lot for that back in those days. Yeah. I think the woodcutter was invited after he'd given the crib, but 
humbly declined and watched from the outside because he felt like I think it was a class thing. Oh. He felt although the shepherds were in there absolutely loving it, so I don't know why he'd feel like he wasn't welcome or didn't 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 belong in that world. But uh, I think I declined because I was too humble and watched from outside. Okay, if any listeners recognise this school play, can they please find a copy and send it in? Because I actually want to read it. This does sound yes. like a good one. And I mean, then I think we're going in the whole circle now because I bet they walk up to then go down and really assesses his life cutting down trees <gasps> and then it becomes a play <gasps> about deforestation. <laughs> and you're oh, still man. playing that role to this day, James. <sighs> oh, God. I mean, maybe that's why I was so, like, you know, aware of that kind of stuff. I'd played the woodcutter and I yeah. got so into the role I started to feel guilt. Yeah. So you had to put it right. I think between the three of us, we could totally write the sequel to this. Yeah. Which is about deforestation. No. But also yeah. the breakdown of the woodcutter being like, my wife died, we never got to have a child. How come that one gets knocked up by an angel, even though her yeah. husband could technically have done it? Like, yeah, there yeah. is an anger there that would be brood. I'd hand over the crib, but I'd be like, that's fucking mental. I would have taken an angel rape. You'd be yeah. angry. I'd be. I'd be as yeah. the woods. Sorry, I'm getting into role now, and I, I know yeah. it's your role, but we're we're, we're improvising. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would be livid handing over that crib, and the fact that I'm just there supplying drinks to people who are. I'm sorry, but three kings they can get their own drinks. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. you. you're a woodcutter. Why are you giving them? I don't know what, what they're drinking, but like what? even yeah. tap water is madness to me. <laughs> yes. I found that. Actual act of giving away the crib heartbreaking because it's him just thinking he will never love again. It's more heartbreaking when he gets home, reads the Bible, and find out they threw it away and used a manger. That's more heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. That moment of reading and being like, you got me fuck. I travelled for that. <laughs> Doesn't make well, it in any of the pictures. You're yeah. knowing that he never had a baby. It's your wife who died mm. at an early age and giving away that crib. Is symbolic because he can go home alone, mm. never have true love again, and die. To be honest, James, you crushed it harder though because Rosie played disabled innkeeper's wife three years in a row, and I played Joseph twice at a mixed school. So well. either way, you've got more dignity. <laughs> Well, um, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, I, I never got recast. I never did so well that they cast me as the same role again. Put it that way. I was I was a big kid with a loud voice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got disabled in keeping to wife for years and row. I think because I was the only disabled person in the game. What's really pleasing is little Rosie assuming that every school has a disabled in keeper's wife role yeah. and then discovering when she was older that, no, 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 that was a write-in. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that wasn't a common role. James, take out the Jim Bob, my love, my baby. Our sweet prince. Daddy gonna take you on a trip. 
that variables yeah. and we're gonna all write, direct and star in the sequel to the world culture and yes. the dub. Fuck yeah. yes. Because I feel like the world culture needs a proper end. It does. Yeah. And also, James, I think you'd probably be the lead writer and the director. So mm-hmm. just to make sure that we end this season on a bad note, I would like you to now cast me and Rosie in that yes. with uh, an explanation for the role that you give each of us. Absolutely. Uh, I think that um, Helen, uh, I think that I would cast you as the woodcutter. Um, as you said earlier on, you know, you you were... Uh, you, you you were very loud in school. You played Joseph two years in a row. Yeah. I feel like I feel like that's good training for the role. And uh also, you know, you never know you might they might I think the woodcutter the Christmas dove is just like the same outfit for the whole thing. The woodcutter does involve the occasional costume change and you were good at improvising those in school uh when you pissed yourself that time. <laughs> so like I think you'd be quite good. And Rosie, I'll cast you as, um, and this is a role, this is in all of the plays, the disabled Christmas stuff. And you can be, <laughs> I, think, I think it's the part you're bored to play. Um, very good, very good character. Yes. What the fuck does a girl have to do to get cast as a girl? This is bullshit. Well, right, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, Rosie no, I'm, gets no to do... I'm fine with it. I'm just sort of like... Also, when I went to see Rosie's show in Edinburgh... You don't have to raise your voice to us, James. She... <laughs> that You're is panicking. Absolute... You're panicking no, that, that is the richest thing any, any comic has ever said to me. One time, Helen Bauer told me not to raise my voice. Let's <laughs> <laughs> um... all stay calm and have a nice chat, yeah? Uh, we all, I just went to see Rosie's show and she was dancing as we were all coming in. Yes! And uh, there's a lot of dancing involved with the Christmas Dove, so, you know... Ahmed, what can I say, Jim Bob? I got the moves. I also yeah. saw that show and it was uh, stepping side to side. But okay, <laughs> like if we're all. I did the robot, what more do you? <laughs> not the want? day I went. James! <laughs> yeah! Now, not a lot of people know you, so wait for the listening going. I to get to know that guy a little bit more. Mm. Where can they find you? Uh, I do a podcast with Ed Gamble called the Off Menu Podcast. It's we the talk about best. food. I love it so much. And, I just listened uh, to the Jade Adams episode. I was so uh, over the moon. Honestly, I'm not uh, going to give it away, but f- I was waiting for it to happen and I was so happy. This is the high point of my life, I think. I don't know. If oh, you could tell. You could tell you and Ed were over the moon. It was so pleasing. Really, and the most perfect person for it to happen to. I can't so think of good. anyone better. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's it, really. I'm not on social media or anything. Um, oh, I've got some specials on Netflix. Watch those. Oh, yeah. They're all right. But you need to work on your comedy. Yes. Either way, all we well, want the listener to do is just try and find us the original script of The Woodsman yes. and The Christmas Dove. Yeah. I think we all need access to it. James, yeah. you have been the absolute best. Thank you so much for coming on and Thanks ending our season. Me. Oh, and congratulations. 
four series. That's amazing. And this is the finale. It's a privilege. <gasps> Thank you. Bye. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.